Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour on this Sunday night, the sixth day of June 2021, uh, a day we remember the heroes who gave all that day back in 1944, fighting Hitler's hordes on the beaches of France. And uh, I always like to mention the only Major League Baseball player born on D-Day, June 6, 1944, is, of course, the great former Met shortstop, Bud Harrelson. We'll talk a little bit about those who served in World War II in a little bit. Uh, our engineer, Brian Graves, taking care of business as always. It's great to uh, be back with you folks this week. For those tuning in to hear Sid Fernandez, I have some bad news for you. We will not be speaking to Sid tonight. Uh, he had some scheduling conflicts at the last minute, so we hope to get Sid back on the show in the near future. I apologize for that, and we will try to bring him to you in the future. But still, in the second half of the show, we're going to welcome in three-time AL batting champ, the great Tony Oliva. So just sit back and relax, get comfortable tonight, enjoy the show. we got some great sports memories up ahead tonight, as always. Social media, we're out there. Uh, the Facebook page is called WGBB Sports Talk New York. Sports information, show information, so much more. Stop by, give us a look. You can give us a like then. Follow us on LinkedIn. Also on Twitter at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also follow me on Twitter at B Donahue, D O N O H U E W G B B. And if you miss a show, don't worry about it because all the past shows are out on our website and you can listen to them at your leisure. As I said, El Cid won't be with us tonight, but uh, feel free to give a call, talk about anything you want. We can talk about the Islanders' great win last night at the Nassau Coliseum. Telephone number to call, 516-623-1240, 516-623-1240. We can talk about the Mets' nice little win today. The Yankees uh, not doing well against the Boston Red Sox. Talk about Jerry Kuzman. His uh, date has been announced for the statue, not statue, for the retirement of his number. Uh, the Mets don't do statues, as we know. They're supposed to do the Tom Seaver statue, but... Uh, that uh, is out in the future, and we don't really have a date for that. So I'd also like to mention right off the bat something uh, that I became aware of this week. It uh, Let me get that up for you here, folks. Hang on one second. Let me get this. Okay, it's from the Cradle of Aviation, our friends at the Cradle over in Mitchell Field. Uh, it's uh, for immediate release. It's a tribute to Tom Seaver that they're going to be having over there. Tom Seaver, a terrific life. They're going to have uh, author Bill Madden, who we who we'd have we've had on the show to discuss his biography of the great pitching legend Tom Seaver. This is going to happen on June twenty second, twenty twenty one. As we know, Seaver, one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball history. And a major reason why that Mets ball club won the 69 World Series. Uh, join the cradle and author Bill Madden for a special evening as they honor and remember Tom Terrific. The evening is going to feature a live virtual call from Florida with Baseball Hall of Fame writer Bill Madden discussing Seaver's life and his book, Tom Seaver, A Ter Terrific Life. The book, of course, you can find it from Simon & Schuster. In addition... 
at the cradle uh, in person will be Ed Cranepool and Art Shamsky, 1969 Mets, along with Doc Gooden and Nelson Figueroa. N- nice little event they're putting together. Again, that's Wednesday, June 24th at 7 p.m. at the Cradle of Aviation on Lindbergh Boulevard in Garden City. The admission now, it's $69. It includes a signed copy of the book, Tom Seaver, A Terrific Life, signed by Bill Madden. For reservations, call 516 516- Five seven two forty sixty six. That's five one six five seven two forty sixty six. Or you could go to the website cradleofaviation all one word dot org. And again, every attendee is going to receive a copy of the book signed by Bill Madden. Uh, due to CDC guidelines, tickets are limited. Reservations are required. They're not going to allow any walk-ins at this event. So again, it's a great chat. Uh, virtually with Bill Madden from Florida, and live at the cradle will be Eddie Cranepool, Art Shamsky, Doc Gooden, and Nelson Figueroa. So, uh, again, that's June 24th. Look it up on their website, cradleofaviation.org. A great event being put together by those folks uh, at the Cradle of Aviation. Getting back to business now, I mentioned talking about players who've served in World War II. As I said, Bud Harrelson... Uh, didn't serve in World War II, as we know, uh, much too young for that, was born on D-Day, June the 6th, 1944. And uh, we send our regards out to Bud. Hope he's doing well uh, these days. I know he hasn't, uh, hasn't been feeling well, so we wish him the best. Let's start off looking at a few Major League Player biographies of guys that served in World War II that you may remember. Right off the bat, I see Cal Abrams, who was a Brooklyn Dodger. Uh, he was an outfielder. We don't really know uh, what rank he is, but he served in Battery B of the 500 Air- Anti-Aircraft Artillery of the United States Ar- Army. He served in both the Atlantic and Pacific theaters of operation. And uh, Cal Abrams, uh, again, a Brooklyn Dodger, for the most part, that's where he re- we remember him. Let's go down the list and find somebody else here that we can recognize. Uh, old aches and pains, a Hall of Famer, Luke Appling. Luke Appling, uh, he was a shortstop. He served in the United States Army, uh, Camp Lee, Virginia, in 1944. Old aches and pains, Lucius Appling, Hall of Famer, served in World War II. Let's go down the list a little further. Who do we have here? George Bamberger, former Mets manager, former pitching coach of the uh, Baltimore Orioles, former manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. Bambi served in World War II. He was uh, a pitcher in his major league career. He uh, was in the United States Army, served in the European and Mediterranean theaters of operation, and we remember him, of course, as uh, the manager of the New York Mets before things started getting good around here for the Mets. And uh, Bambi, of course, uh, a great man, a great guy. We go down the list uh, again. We look at Hall of Fame umpire Al Barlick, served in the United States, United States Coast Guard. Uh, rank unknown, of course, a Hall of Fame umpire Al Barlick. Uh, let's see who else we have. Rex Barney, another former Brooklyn Dodger. He was a sergeant 
in the 4th Armored Division and 6th Armored Division, the United States Army in the European Theater of Operations. Again, a Brooklyn Dodger. We remember him quite well as a member of some, some great Brooklyn Dodger ball clubs. Dick Bartell, a New York Giant, served in the United States Navy. Uh, he served uh, at home, on the home front, Dick Bartell. He was a shortstop third baseman. Played for the Detroit Tigers as well as the New York Giants. Looking further, we have a great Marine, New York Yankee, tough guy, Hank Bauer. You guys will remember him. He was a sergeant in G Company, 2nd Battalion, 4th Regiment, 6th Marine Division of the United States Marine Corps in the Pacific Theater of Operations. That's World War II for the great Hank Bauer, who also was a successful manager with the Baltimore Orioles. You may remember that. Again, if you'd like to give a call, talk about anything you want, the number is 516-623-1240. Feel free to give me a buzz as we go down the list of players who served in the military. Uh, World War II, most prevalently, Mo Berg. Who doesn't remember Mo Berg? You may not know the story. He was a actual spy. He was in the Office of Strategic Services in the European Theater of Operations. He was a major league catcher, but uh, there's been movies and books written about Mo Berg because he was a spy. And uh, look it up. Look up those books because it's a tremendous story, and you'll enjoy it immensely. Of course, how can we go without mentioning the great Yogi Berra? Hall of Fame catcher. He was a seaman second class in the United States Navy, European Theater of Operations. I believe Yogi did serve on D-Day. Uh, he served in the U.S. Navy. In February 44, he sailed for the British Isles on the USS Bayfield. He was a gunner's mate, and uh, he was aboard a rocket-launching landing craft in the D-Day invasion at Omaha Beach. Who would have thunk it? The great Yogi Berra, a war hero as well. We'll, we'll keep that in mind. Yule Blackwell, the whip, famous for his sidearm delivery, was a sergeant in the United States Army, the 5th Infantry Regiment of the 71st Infantry Division of the United States Army in the European Theater of Operations. The whip, Yule ba- Blackwell, uh, a great pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. You guys may remember him or have heard of him. Let's see who else we have uh, on our list here. Cloyd Boyer, one of the Boyer brothers. Let's take a look at Cloyd. His career, he was in the United States Navy. He was a pitcher, one of the Boyer brothers. Uh, also included Cletus Boyer and Kenny Boyer. Great ball players in their own right. And we have... Uh, Bobby Brown, Dr. Bobby Brown, who was the commissioner of the American League for uh, many, many years. He was a midshipman in the United States Navy. He served on the home front in the United United States. Stanford graduate, Dr. Bobby Brown, and uh, he enlisted in 1943, assigned to a naval unit at UCLA, and then uh, moved on to San Diego Naval Hospital. And uh, after baseball... The reason we call him Dr. Bobby Brown is because he became a cardiologist and later served, of course, as we mentioned, as American League president. If you're lucky, you could find a baseball uh, with Bobby Brown's stamp signature on it from when he was 
president of the American League. Tommy Byrne, Tommy Byrne, another Yankee, uh, served in the United States Navy in the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Theater of Operations. He was a lieutenant, a pitcher in Major League Baseball, and of course we remember Tommy Byrne with the New York Yankees. Let's move on here on our list. I'm trying to find the uh, the next going to the letter C's. Here we go, folks. Bear with me tonight. As we as uh, I mentioned earlier, Sid Fernandez had a scheduling difficulty, can't be with us tonight. So we're taking a look at players who served in the United States Army on this D-Day, the 6th of June. Al Campanis, Dodger executive. Al Campanis was a chief petty officer in the United States Navy, and uh, he served in World War II. Al Campanis, a Dodger executive. Let's see, who else do we have here? Spud Chandler, Bubba Church. Let's look at Nestor Shylock, who is a Hall of Fame umpire. He was wounded in World War II, actually. He was a technical sergeant in Company M, the 424th Infantry Regiment, 106th Infantry Division, United States Army in the European uh, Theater of Operations. Nestor Shylock graduated uh, from Rutgers University, where he also played baseball before entering the military service in 1942. He, he umpired in the American League. I remember him when I was a kid. Of course, the American League, um, American League umpires with those uh, jackets and ties and the chest protector that they'd hold up in front of them, a separate piece of equipment that uh, was not used in the National League, but was, of course, used in the American League. Mickey Cochran, Black Mike, Hall of Fame catcher, great, great ball player, the namesake of one Mickey Charles Mantle. He was a lieutenant in the United States Navy. He served in the Pacific Theater of Operations, uh, attended Boston University, but he dropped out in his junior year, so he broke in with the Philadelphia A's in 1925, a member of Connie Mack's great, Philadelphia A's ball clubs. That's Mickey Cochran, Black Mike Hall of Fame catcher. Jerry Coleman, a war hero. You may have heard about this. Now, Jerry Coleman, a Yankee star, also a Hall of Fame broadcaster, most prevalently with the San Diego Padres, uh, an infielder with the Yankees. He was a captain in the U.S. Marine Corps in the Pacific Theater of Operations and uh, a decorated war hero. Uh, he earned his pilot's wings in 1944, transferred to the Marine Corps, served as a dive bomber pilot in the Pacific, and uh, fl- flew 57 combat missions. Uh, Jerry Coleman, really uh, a great war hero and deserves to be mentioned on our, on our show tonight. Billy Cox, third baseman for the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, a great ball player, third baseman. He was in the 814th Signal Corps of the United States Army uh, in the Mediterranean European Theater of Operations. Uh, A couple of the hottest youngsters in baseball today in shortstop Billy Cox, outfielder Ralph Kiner. That was uh, a quote from Frankie Frisch, the Fordham Flash, in March of 1946. That's Billy Cox from the United States Army. Coming up next, we have another umpire. And uh, an umpire of some renown, a National League umpire. I do remember him when I was young. His name is Shag Crawford, and uh, he served in the United States Army. He was an electrician, 
third class in the Pacific Theater of Operations. Shag Crawford, uh, very good umpire for many years in the National League. Harry the Horse Danning. People may remember him from the New York Giants. He was uh, in the 6th Ferrying Group, Air Transport Command, U.S. Army Air Force, a sergeant, a catcher in Major League Baseball, Harry the Horse Danning, another member of our uh, class of, of great World War II veterans that we're mentioning tonight, Otis Scott Davis. Now, I'm sure you don't remember Otis Davis. I did get a chance to meet him in Florida during the 1990s. He played one game for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, he was in the United States Navy. He was an outfielder in Major League Baseball. He uh, died in Clearwater in 2007, but I did get a chance to meet him and to speak with him before that. That's Otis Davis. Look him up if you, if you care to. Bill Dickey, another Hall of Famer. He was a lieutenant junior grade in the United States Navy in the Pacific Theater of Operations. As we said, a great Hall of Famer with the New York Yankees uh, in the United States Navy, Bill Dickey. Dominic DiMaggio. Dominic DiMaggio was, uh, we don't know what rank he was, but he was in the United States Navy, served in the Pacific Theater of Operations. Uh, of course, one of the great DiMaggio brothers. Uh, that leads us into uh, the next gentleman who you may have heard uh, as a war hero, Jolton Joe DiMaggio, who was a staff sergeant, the great Hall of Famer in the United States Army Air Force. And uh, what the Reno Evening Gazette said in 1943 was, Private Joe DiMaggio's spring training has been somewhat different this year, and not much time is devoted to baseball at Santa Ana Army Base where he is stationed, but the Yankee Clipper hasn't lost his batting eye. In five games, Joe's pounded out six hits from 18 official times at bat. Joe Namath with the, uh, Joe, Joe DiMaggio with the United States Army Air Corps. Joe DiMaggio, I see, uh, Joe Namath, I see every morning promoting, uh, Medicare and the give back benefit on, uh, MeTV, talking about how you can get more out of your Social Security every month. I ain't buying it, Joe. Larry Doby, the first black player in the American League. He was in the United States Navy in the Pacific Theater of Operations, uh, born in Camden, South Carolina in 1924. He lettered in baseball, basketball, football, and track in Eastside High School in Patterson, and he attended Long Island University. You may not know that. Larry Doby. Another uh, great war hero that we have to mention. Another Red Sox, Bobby Doerr. Bobby Doerr was a sergeant in the United States Army. He uh, served uh, on the home front. And, of course, a great second baseman with the Boston Red Sox, a Hall of Famer, Bobby Doerr. Another uh, umpire of some renown, Augie Donatelli. He was with the 527th Bomb Squadron the 379th Bomb Group of the U.S. Army Air Force, a staff sergeant, and uh, a good umpire for many years in the National League, Augie Donatelli. Walt Dropo, who was a Rookie of the Year, he served in the uh, Army Corps of Engineers in the United States Army. He was a corporal uh, from Peabody, Massachusetts. Peabody, Peabody. Uh, spelt Peabody, pronounced Peabody. 
and uh, that that's Walt Dropo, another one of our World War II heroes. We'll move on to the next letter of the alphabet, and we'll see who we can find here. Uh, Oisk, Carl Erskine. How about him? United States Navy. Uh, he's in his 90s now, still living. He's been a guest on the show before. Uh, a great man, a great man, a great pitcher, and uh, a great guest he was on the program. Uh, unknown what rank he was in the Navy, but Carl Erskine did did serve uh, his country during World War II. Another guy you may have seen pictures of in his uniform is Rapid Robert Bob Feller. Bob Feller was in the United States Navy. He was a chief specialist in the Pacific Theater of Operations. So he did serve most prominently that native of Van Meter, Iowa, the great Bob Feller. Moving on, we, uh, we're going to stop at Herman Franks, who was, of course, a manager of the San Francisco Giants. He was a lieutenant in the United States Navy in the Pacific Theater of Operations. He was a, a prominent manager of Willie Mays for many years, Herman Franks. A great broadcaster, a, a Hall of Fame broadcaster, as well as a ball player for the St. Louis Cardinals, Joe Garagiola. Joe was a Army private who served in the Pacific Theater of Operations. He was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and, of course, as we uh, may or may not know, folks, he grew up as a boyhood friend of Yogi Berra on the hill out there in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, Joe Garagiola, we remember him well. The Mechanical Man, another Hall of Famer, Charlie Geringer, one of my favorite Hall of Famers. He was uh, in the United States Navy, second baseman for some great, great Detroit Tigers ball clubs, played with Hank Greenberg, Marv Owen, and Billy Rogel in that famous infield, great infield for the Detroit Tigers. Charlie Geringer, the Mechanical Man. Joe Ginsburg, a former Met. Private in the United States Army, I believe he was a '62 Met. Uh, let's let's see. Ginsburg remained in the majors as a backup catcher until 1962, spending time with the Cleveland Indians, Kansas City Athletics, Orioles, Red Sox, White Sox, and Mets. So he's one of the few players actually whose professional career began before World War II and continued into the '60s. That's Joe Ginsburg prominent baseball career. We remember him well. Al Gianfrido, famous for his catch in the World Series. An outfielder, a private, and Battery C, 331st Field Artillery of the United States Army. Al Gianfrido, a great name in the uh, lore of baseball. Joe Gordon, another Hall of Famer, a second baseman for the New York Yankees. He was in the Army Air Force. He served as a corporal. And, uh, as we said, a Hall of Famer, Joe Gordon, great, great ball player. Let's move down the list a little bit here. Another guy you may have seen in his uniform serving prominently uh, his country, the great Hank Greenberg. Hank was a captain. And, of course, we know a Hall of Famer first baseman outfielder for the Detroit Tigers, Pittsburgh Pirates, in his illustrious career. He was with the... 
20th Bomber Command in the United States Air Force. Uh, he served in the China-Burma-India Theater of Operations, serving, serving most prominently uh, in the armed forces and a tremendous career in the major leagues, the great Hank Greenberg. Buddy Hassett, another uh, Brooklyn Dodger, New York Yankee. He played first base. He was a lieutenant in the United States Navy, Buddy Hassett. Who else do we have? Tommy Henrick, all reliable, a great New York Yankee. He was in the United States Coast Guard and a great Yankee. Played with Joe DiMaggio during those era, during that era, and uh, a really great ball player. Another Hall of Famer, Billy Herman, an infielder for the Dodgers, for the Red Sox, uh, a manager for the Boston Red Sox too. Played second base. Uh, we don't know his rank, but he did serve in the Pacific Theater uh, with the United States Navy. That's Hall of Famer Billy Herman. Gene Hermansky, another Brooklyn Dodger, uh, was in the United States Coast Guard. Kirby Higby, another Brooklyn Dodger, was in the United States Army in the Pacific Theater of Operations. Uh, mainly noted for giving Jackie Robinson a lot of trouble. Uh, in, in his career. And we come upon a favorite, Gil Hodges, a sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps, 16th Anti-Aircraft Artillery Battalion in the Pacific Theater of Operations. The great Gil Hodges up for a Hall of Fame election probably in December. So we, we will uh, hopefully get to see that. We'll end with Gil right now. We're going to take a little break, and we will be back with Tony Oliva, so stick around, folks. Yes, sir. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, folks, we're back with Sports Talk New York on WGBB here from beautiful downtown Merrick, Long Island. Uh, too bad we couldn't spend time with Sint Fernandez, uh, scheduling difficulties. As I said, we hope to bring him to you another time. Uh, the Mets, a nice little win today uh, in San Diego. Uh, as a kid, I always hated the Mets on the West Coast. Back then, you, you only had uh, St. Louis and Houston as later starts until you got to the coast. Uh, the California games were late. I remember them starting at 11 o'clock because they were 8 o'clock local time. And uh, really didn't like it back then when I was a kid. Islanders, a great win Saturday night uh, 
And uh, Monday we'll be with them in Boston, Wednesday at the Coliseum. And right now we're going to keep the sports memories rolling along. Our next guest, he played his entire career with the Minnesota Twins. He was the AL Rookie of the Year in 1964, an eight-time All-Star, three-time AL batting champ, and two-time World Series champion. He's had his number retired by the Twins, and he's in the Minnesota Twins Hall of Fame, and he should be enshrined in Cooperstown as well, in my opinion, folks. It's an honor and a pleasure to welcome to the show tonight Tony Oliva. Tony, good evening. Good evening. Thank you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I have the opportunity to talk to you and, and bring me some memories. Let's let's get them rolling, Tony. Let, let's get the memories rolling. Now, uh, you moved to the United States in 1961. Who were your sports heroes and, and your favorite teams growing up in Cuba? Well, my, my favorite uh, hero in Cuba was uh, uh, Mini Minoso. Okay. And uh, Ramos, Pete Ramos from Pinar del Rio. Yeah, from Pinar del Rio. And uh, he played for, uh, you know, I get to hear about him a lot. Mm-hmm. He played for Cuba. Uh, winter baseball, he, he played for the Fuego Ball Club, he and Camilo Pascual, and uh, I have the opportunity to, to, to listen to them, I not saw them in Cuba play, uh, because, I, you know, I live in the country and that, I never went to Havana to watch the uh, winter baseball league in mm-hmm. Cuba, that was the best winter baseball league, in the, uh, you know, in those days, uh, in the whole Caribbean. Right. But, uh, they have a lot of great ball players right there. Now, you, your your dad was a great cigar roller in Cuba. Now, he encouraged you to come to America with the Twins, didn't he? He wanted you to to come to America and uh, become a star with Minnesota. Well, I, I was lucky. I was uh, very lucky that uh, that you know that somebody that, that saw me play over there that. The, the guys, uh, he played here in America, Roberto Fernando Stapani. He saw me play over there in Cuba, and, uh, and he speak of the scout, uh, uh, Joe Cambria, and, and they saw, they, they signed me, uh, back in 1960. Mm-hmm. I was able to come in to the United States in 1961. And I was so lucky, a blessing, because I came from Minnesota Twins. I still with Minnesota Twins after 60 years. I think it's, uh, you know, I was the one was a lucky one. You're still going strong with the Twins, Tony, that's for sure. Now, now they, actually, they actually released you in 1961 because they didn't like your fielding, and it was up to a guy named uh, Phil Hauser, who was the Charlotte general manager. He placed a call and convinced the Twins to re-sign you, right? You're right. Uh, yeah. You know, I, 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 I will tell you, I've been blessed, you know, with uh, all those people and the, and the great friends. Uh, you know, Mini Minoso, who was one child, a Cuban guy. Uh, uh, Mini, he was playing on the Charlo Ball Club, uh, uh, Neto Velasquez, uh, and they take me to Charlo. I was in Charlo. Uh, Mini talked to a few houses, uh, the general manager of Charlo Ball Club. And uh, uh, I said they love the Cuban. Uh, you know, he used to have a lot of Cuban ball players play for Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnie also, Minnie, uh, uh, he's a great ball player. He's like, for me, it's like my brother or more of my brother. Because uh, when I went to, to Charlotte, thank you to Minnie, he took me to, to, uh, to see a few houses. 
and we uh, tell how good ball player was in Cuba. You know, he had to lie a little bit because, uh, <laughs> you know, he not saw me play that much, that much. But then he saw my attitude. He saw me. He know my decision. He know that. Uh, he think he know that I can play. You know. Right. Uh, and uh, Theo Hodge to take a chance with me, and send me to. You know, he said, "Hey, look, I, you stay here. I go pay you your expenses. And when the rookie league started, I go send you to the rookie league. Uh, I said, "Oh man, that was a blessing because after they released me, I was only." I was only thinking only one thing. I got released, but how I go tell my friend by back in Cuba that I don't have the opportunity to play. Uh, I, I only played three games. I have a ten times back. I have seven heels, but my field was shaking. You know, my field didn't was that great. But they don't have no room too. They don't have no room for me. You know, I understand that. And. Uh, and they decide to release me, and the next thing is I'm supposed to come back to Cuba, but because of the buyer pick, uh, I was able to come back to Cuba. They had to, they had to send me to Chalo to wait there after everything be better in Cuba, this way I can come back to Cuba. Mm-hmm. By that time, Phil House and Roberto Mendoza, they get together and keep me in the United States, and that was my second chance. Right. After that, Everything is history, you know. The rest is history, Tony. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now with yeah. the twins, the twins hoped that you being a left-hand hitter, you would counter counterbalance the right-handed guys, Bobby Allison and Harmon Killebrew, and you had on that club your fellow Cuban uh, rookie of the year, Zoil Oversize. He he became convinced that. You were the new Ty Cobb. Those were some great Minnesota <laughs> Twins ball clubs, right? You're right. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we got a Camilo Pascual. So right, Camilo Pascual. Sandy Valdespino, you know. One time in the World Series in 1965, we got a four Cuban players in the same team, you know. Uh, and that was, uh, uh, that was unbelievable. Because, you know, when I came to, you know, to Minnesota, there was Camilo Pascual. There was a Pete Ramos. Pete Ramos that came in when I went to the Trojan League. Uh, the others, I was lucky. I tell you, I was lucky. You know, Julio, Julio Becker is uh, like, he, he, he passed away not too long ago, you know, about four or five months ago. He was uh, like my big brother here. He, he's the one picking me up in the airport when I get here to United, to Minneapolis. And he took care of me, he, 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 you know. And yeah, several things. I was, I was so lucky that to be here with Camilo, Julio, Versailles, Versailles, Phil Ramos. You know, Hamon Kilibro, you know, he called me a rookie. Hey, rookie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we have a great ball club. Yeah, I was, yeah, I came to a beautiful conversation. You, you know, did? Captain Griffin. Yeah, you know, Captain Griffin, you know, everybody knows Captain Griffin. He was, was a little bit tired from the morning, but he was like <laughs> my second father here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, Captain Griffin was, was great, you know. Anytime, anytime, with, if, if I need anything or have any kind of problems, you come to talk to him, the door was open for, for me all the time, and, uh, you know, he was very nice to me. 
the, you know, the great Calvin Griffith. Yeah. You had a wonderful, just a wonderful rookie year, Tony. Uh, you won rookie of the year. You come back in 64. Uh, I mean, uh, 65. You have another great year. And, uh, to what do you attribute? Is there anybody that worked with you on your hitting when you first came up? You know, I, I tell one thing. For me, uh, I took a pride. I took a pride in my hitting since Cuba. Mm-hmm. Since I was a little kid in Cuba. I grew up in the country. I not play baseball that much in Cuba. I only play, I never play amateur, I never play no little league, uh, I only play every Sunday baseball, but, but I want to be good. I want to be good here. I want to do that. Every time I have a chance, I usually go to the field, uh, and where I grew up, you know, in the country, we have a farm, my father did a, have a little, uh, park where we play every Sunday there in the field. Uh, my little brothers, I got a couple little brothers, you know, seven or eight years old. They used to throw baseball to me and get to the wall in my house. Yeah, it was any kind of thing, you know, we used to, any, you know, corn cup. We used to, you know, sometimes the, the corn you would cut it, a little piece of the wood, and they throw to me and get to the wall because I want to get good eyes and be able to hit anything. Uh, and that helped me a lot. Yeah, I took a pride to, to, to tell it, tell me anything, you know, anything mm-hmm. move. Because I want to hit the ball to upfield, I want to pull the ball. I want to be able to do anything I want as a hitter. I don't care who pitch. Right. If I want to hit the ball to upfield, I want to do it. If I want to pull the ball, I want to do it. Yeah, I learned to do that. Uh, and when I was a hitting coach for the Minnesota Twins for many years, I try to preach that to the players that I teach, you know. Uh, I want them to, to understand that they'll be able to do anything they want if they practice in the right way. You see, I take a lot of pride in my hearing. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. I think hearing is like you go to school. You go to school in the first grade and you learn how to read, you learn to, to write. And some people get better than others because it depends on how they work. And right now, it's tough because if you don't practice how to hit a breaking ball, it's very hard to to hit it, you know? Because uh, uh, I do all that stuff. Uh, my father played baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, the only thing he told me, he said, you know, uh, you know, sit down, watch the ball all the way, and try to hit the ball, you know? Prepare, you know, if you want to hit the ball top of the field, you do that a little bit in your body, do this thing. If you want to, if you want to put the ball, do this thing when you bother a little bit, you know. Yeah, I was doing all this thing. I worked with my hands, and later, later I was able to do that. We are speaking tonight with the great Tony Oliva, and Tony, I just want to mention to the the younger folks. Uh, the kids listening, that Tony really came along in an era that some people called the second dead ball era. I mean, you had Carl Yastrzemski leading the American League and hitting with a 301 average. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't, it was the, the era of the pitcher. And along comes yeah. Tony Oliva and he's hitting the heck out of the ball. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, you're right that that era, you know, what's that? 
No, ese, ese big center that was era de for the, for the ball, the ball was dead. I remember sometimes you hit the ball, the ball break in a couple, couple of the piece. You know what? What's a bad ball? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but also people don't understand. I like right now when we talk sometimes, you know, especially the, the, the young generation or the people, the statistics, everything, they call, they, they think that when we play, the pitcher was thrown very slow, and uh, they don't throw slider, they don't throw curve, they don't throw sinking, and all they say, they, they think, you know, they don't count that. But, right. uh, which they have the opportunity to face those pitches that we had to face, because in those days, in those days, we had to, we had, hey, I don't say, we had to fight for their life. Because, of the, hey, the people throw to you in the head, you know. Yeah. They throw all the kind of pitches and everything, you know. It's like, you know, it's like right now, you know. Like, they don't think that in those days the people throw speedboard, they don't throw the slider, they don't throw nothing. Hey. And now I, I hear they now they start to check in the ball because of the people that start to cheat a little bit. Hey, hey, come on, you know, and those <laughs> days when we play, there's something that the, the pitch had to get advantage or something. Right. But, yeah. But, you know, hey, you, you know, in those days when we play, they throw speed ball, they throw the sinker ball, they throw slider, they throw everything. Plus, you know, they throw the ball behind your neck too. If, if you, if you only, uh, uh, you know, uh, look at them a little bit hard. So you know, what? Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's a different era. It's a different era. You remember we used to slide very hard in second base. Where we try to break the door, play. You know, can do that then now. No, no more you today, know? Tony. Right? Yeah. No, no. You know. It's, uh, uh, I know they try to protect the player more right now. It's, it's nice, you know. It's nice, but uh, uh, it's a different era. This is it. I don't like to compare eras because every era is different. And like right now, the That's way true. we play is different. The way they move, they, you see, like right now, everybody play and they go hit. They don't worry so much how move is running. Like if it's a main mistake or it's a weak hitting, you know, you start to hit the ball to right field. You start to do the thing. Today they go over there and swing and forget about you know. Mm -hmm. But everybody do the thing. I think that's equal, you know. One guy I want to ask you about, Tony. We got Tony Oliva with us tonight, the great batting champ, three-time batting champ. Is your roommate? We had him on a couple of weeks ago. The great Rod Carew. Oh, huge! I was his very silly. <laughs> yeah. Rod, Rod Carew and me, we have a great time. I, uh, he's here, in Minnesota. Uh, uh, right now, because he flew here uh, a couple of days ago, we did a, a, a little event here last night together in the ballpark, but we did some charity event uh, for the community fund here in Minnesota. It's, it's my roommate. We have a great time because, you know, we room in 10 years. Uh, and when he comes to a big league in 67, yeah, you know, he was a baby, you know. I, I already was in a big league for four years. Yeah, I called him, uh, I was his babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my room is sometimes get a little bit moody, and he went too quick. <laughs> he went to go home. I said, come on, man, let's go. This baseball being very, very good to us, you know. Right. <laughs> 
I'll see you, poker. But uh, as I was saying, we are like a big brothers, you know. We are, uh, you know, to be a roommate with somebody for 10 years. When he was, he was a good, he was a superstar. He was a great, you know. He can do anything he wants. You know what makes him so good that he is so special? He know himself from the beginning. Right away, he know what he can do, mm-hmm. you know. And that will make a big difference if you know what you can do, if you believe in yourself. And never forget it. The first year I saw him spend time in the big league. I already was in the big league for four years. I already was facing a lot of those great pitches. I already been playing against, you know, Bruce Robinson, Frank Robinson, all these guys. But Cadu one time, he started to bump. We played Baltimore in spring training, and he started to bump to Bruce Robinson. I tell the roommate, I tell the roommate, no, do that. <laughs> Bruce Robinson is the best in the business, you know, and he only was about 20 years old or 21 years old. You know, he told me, Tony, Rumi, look, if I bond right, nobody will throw me out. And he was right. Wow. He was right yeah. 100% of the time. Because I see him, the people play halfway, I saw him bond, and he still was safe. And he bonded to everybody, you know, he got 25 or 30 bond hit every year. The people know that he got bond. He still bond to safe. He was the best in the business. But the one thing he was doing, I remember it's been training. He used to come and sometimes spend 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes working his bond, working his bond. When people was, uh, you know, uh, working here, you know, he know what he, he don't have to because anytime he wants, he can hit the ball up the field. If he wants to pull the ball, he can pull it. You know, one year he fifteen, fourteen or fifteen or wrong, he got some pop in his butt. But sure he, he know did. the best yeah. thing for him. He know the best thing for him was, you know, what he was doing, bonds, face it and do all this stuff. And he was the best in business. I never seen nobody bunt better than him. N- none of these guys want to bunt today, Tony. It's a lost art. <laughs> you know something? Uh we go to the you know Cadu. Cadu and me, uh, you know, we go to spring training. Uh, Minnesota, uh, one also was there. We were there every year. And Cadu go over there and, uh, you know, speak with the guys and teach the guys how to bond and thing. And they can be, you know, they can be pretty good bond. You know, I like that. Uh, uh, we got some guys that fly, man, fly. Uh, if he bunt a few times a year, he can be a 300 hitter, you know. The center field for also is, is a great, he's a great ball player. He, he can fly. But, I don't know, the people that don't want to bunt right now because uh, a lot of times they only bunt if they manage to give it a sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and this ain't not happen, maybe one time a year, you know. Uh, they want them to swing. All they but, want to do is hit home runs. That's the only thing they want to do, Tony. <laughs> well, you say what happened? They, uh, they, this is what they, this is what they want. They want the people go over there and swing the bat. But, mm-hmm. uh, you personal, you personal, you have to be a smart. If you don't be a smart, you're not surviving the big league. I think you have to be a smart and remember, if I hit high average, I go be in the big league for a long time. If you have good defense, 
you defense ball player, and you hit at least 267, you go be in a big league. You know, if mm -hmm. you think you can hit five seconds wrong, I hit 200, you're not going to be in the big league too often because some, uh, too long because somebody can come and take your job. That's true. The personal, uh, the people can want something for you, for mental, you should know what, the, what you should do for the happy the ball club and happy yourself. Because if you don't produce, you're not going to be around. And that was the battle line. That's I true, Tony, people, yeah. I, I tell the people, practice, practice hit, practice the, the hit the breaking ball, practice the, the use of the whole field, the hit the high average. Because of home runs, only a few people who can hit home runs can be a power hitter. If you don't have a power, you never hit three or four home runs a year, maybe ten home runs a year, but that's not keeping you in a big league. No. Well, as we said, Tony, you were a great offensive player in an era dominated by pitching. I'd like to ask you, who gave you trouble on the mound, and who did you hit well? When, <laughs> oh, man, you know something? I love to face a catfish. Oh, okay, he catfish hunter, was, yeah. Yeah, he was a great pitcher, but I hit him pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be lucky sometimes. Uh, you know, I face a left, Rudy May, I'm not doing too good to get him. He got a great breaking ball, he got a great fastball. You know, but you know, the pitches really I don't like to face. Yeah, I did a pretty good to get him, but I don't like to face him. Was Sam McDowell? Sam McDowell, yeah. He throw hard and wow, you know. And Nora <laughs> Ryan, Nora Ryan, he was so hard. He pitches, he throws so hard and look like the ball go through your body. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> I start laughing. I laughing because one time we were playing in Anaheim, uh, and, and you know, by about three, seven afternoon, the, 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 uh, the, the shadow, the shadow get dark over there in Anaheim, and Rakaru was to be hitting. Yeah, what's the, the, I don't think, uh, what's the, the third hitting. Caru was the second. Another Ryan throw a ball behind right Caru. Caru stand up and he started over his side. He said, Rumi, 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 what's happening? What happened? He said, I think the ball went through my body. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Another Ryan. Yeah. Ryan throw the ball about 100 miles for, you know, the funniest thing about Ryan is people don't understand. The North Ryan, after. After the seven inning, he started the first pitch he threw. I think about ninety five. By the seven inning, he was about hundred and five. He was throwing so hard, he, you know. Yeah. And he was wow, you know. I want to see another player today. If he pitches today, I don't think he can pitch today no more on four or five inning because you know he throw hundred and fifty to hundred pitching every game he pitch. He walked yeah. around guy. You know, he walked a lot of guys, but nobody can hit him. Right. He, he was, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. I think the people, you know, sometimes they say, no, those days people, they know throw hard. They, are, they know how to face the Cleveland staff, but they have some Madagos, Severus, you know, uh, Hagen, all those guys. Mm -hmm. And they go to Norovaya, you know, some, you know, it's a lot of people used to throw beavers in those days, too. Sure, yeah, I bet. Now, I want to ask you, Tony, about... 
your Hall of Fame candidacy. A lot of people think that you belong in Cooperstown. We've missed it a few times with you. You were very close a few times. Tell us how you feel about the Hall of Fame. Well, I that's, that's, that's a good question. That's a good question. You know something? The way I feel it is like the way the lot the lot of people feel it. A lot of people think that I should be in the Hall of Fame. And uh you know, people in the media sometimes they've been here you know, I feel bad because the people in the media they've been here in Minneapolis, uh, here in my house a few times, waiting for the day, you know, waiting, ready that I think, hey, no way I go miss, you know, and those days were nothing happy. Hey, I remember later when I went to the, uh, for the veteran committee, uh, the people was here again, and that uh, day they, you know, and they think I, you know, I, I was there because every year I got a lot of votes, everything, everything. When at that time they get a Cepeda and later they get a Mozarovsky, and nothing happened. And later, a few years later, they think I go in again. Uh, and nothing happened, you know. And I don't know. You know, they give excuses that I have a short career. But it's another players, some of the players who have a short career like me, and they're in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, uh, I see it. But they make it, I like, it's hard to understand because I like, uh, I believe I like before, uh, they used to be, uh, we used to be every year, they, 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 for the Hall of Fame board. Uh, now they, they change to three years, later they go to five years, five years, you know, when you're 80 years old and tell you have to wait five years? Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> you <know>? ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, I, <laughs> I like two years, I remember, I remember, you know, five years ago, I lost, uh, for one vote, one vote. One vote, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and later they say, well, you have to wait now three years. <laughs> so the three years come out, and they say, no, no, three years they change because you're in different category now to five years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, Understood. you know, something I, I laugh about, you know, because if I, I think I've been in the Hall of Fame all since I've played. Since I started playing, I have the opportunity to play this beautiful game. And it's a beautiful game. I think it's been beautiful. It's been nice for everybody who played this game. Because I think everybody who plays this game, it comes from middle class and poor family. And we have a chance to play this, you know. And now, hey, come here to Minnesota. Come from Cuba from the farm. You see in the front the stadium here in Minnesota, one of the beautiful stadiums in the whole United States. Mm -hmm. They got a statue of me. Right. <laughs> yes. And the front of the stadium, that was the Hall of Fame right there. But you know, I think it's going to be nice if they decide to put me in the Hall of Fame. If they decide to be nice to be there, to say thank you to the people, you know. It sure you know, would, Tony. This is, this is my dream, you know. If, if it if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen, I thank you to the people for the anyway for all the wonderful, wonderful uh, years that I have, all the great things they did for me and my family, and you know to be around. You know, I still, Minnesota been so great for me. In 60 years, I still with the Minnesota Twins. This is my first time I miss a spin training. I miss that. I missed that. Mm -hmm. 60 years, my first year, you know, I, I missed spring training, man. Uh, oh, man. 
my my wife just said, Asili, you want to cry? I said, yeah, I want to cry. Yeah. 15 years. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, Tony, yeah. I tell you, it's it's been a real honor and a pleasure having you with us tonight. I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend some with us up here in New York. Oh, thank you. No, thank you for inviting me and giving the opportunity to talk to you guys. And, I, you know, right now I'd like to thank all those people to listen and, uh, you know, and good luck to them. I hope they're doing fine. You have a great night, Tony. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. Thanks. That's Tony Oliva, folks. Well, that'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. Again, we're going to try to bring you Sid Fernandez in the future. Uh, Tony Oliva, what a wonderful job, what a wonderful man. We thank him for being with us. And, of course, my engineer, Brian Graves, and you folks for coming by. See you next week. I'll welcome in the former tennis great, Andrea Yeager. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.